let's, uh, let's pray together. Uh, Almighty God, we, um, what we want to do now is hear from you. We want to uh, do what you want us to do. Uh, keep us from just doing something to do something, but lead us to do what you would have us do so that we might be in full alignment with your plans and your purposes, that, that we might be uh, spending um, uh, resources that you have given to us, time, expertise, energy, money, that you've entrusted to us, that they might be used in perfect alignment with the ways of heaven and, and might cause the celebrations of heaven in ways even that we can't understand. So speak to us. Guide us. Prepare us so that what we hear, we will do. For your glory. For the salvation of the world. And the fulfillment of what you've created us. Who you've created us to be. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Um, I, I love regeneration as a title and as a, as a, as a theme. You know, it, it has multiple meanings that we'll work through um, to, today. Don't worry, there's only about four. So not, not a whole lot. I didn't go off totally. But yeah, and, and really sort of a, a, it's a, a, a fun word to, to play with, a one that is even poetic and that really even a play on words. I mean, certainly as we've seen and talked about, re- regeneration is about regenerating a building. Yeah, it, it's, we've, in this space, in this place, for 163 years plus, God has called people and done His work in a variety of configurations in this space. And we're at a time and place of saying, all right, how do we best align this building for God's purposes today? Um, we, we know that in, in time, styles, they come and go, right? That color schemes come and go. What, what speaks to the people outside of the church? It changes, you know, language changes. And we, we want to bring the facility to, to excellence, to top-notch position so that it speaks of relevance and truth and life in the language of the people outside of the church. You know, because for us, for us, those that are inside the church, the, the building is quaint and nice and wonderful. As a matter of fact, some of those, you know, water stains we've come to enjoy because we, 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 we look at them and we say, oh, I can see Jesus in that. Oh, well, we're going to take that down and sell it on eBay and, and so we can take some uh, more funds from it there. Yeah, but because it's the, that length, because we have all kinds of people that come in and out of this building for karate and dance and support groups and all kinds of things. And we want to be sure that we've regenerated, retooled the building so that it speaks relevance and life and that God is alive to anyone that, that enters. Yeah, and technology comes and goes. It changes. I mean, as when this building was first um, planned and, and uh, dreamed about, you know, people had no idea of where technology was going to go. We, all of that needs to not only speak the language of the day for those that are outside, but to serve the purpose of training, equipping us as disciple-making disciples to then be sent into the world. We want this place to be a welcoming, useful, excellent tool 
And, and we, we want to get the word out you know, to the community around what we are about in a way that speaks the language of people outside the church. Remember, the birthday of the church was Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. What did the Spirit do when He came upon the church? He enabled the church to speak the language of whom? The people outside the church. He did not come upon people outside the church and give them ears to hear church language. The Spirit came upon the church so that the church would speak the language of the people. And that is one of the things that we're excited about regenerating, making new, making again. Regeneration is to generate again. You could even say to be born again. And this building, we need it to be the best supplement to the message of Jesus' love that it can be. And we certainly don't want it to get in the way. Not only do we not want it to get in the way, but we want it to be the best supplement to the ministry and message of the love of Jesus that it can be. So that it's speaking today's language and that it's set up to speak tomorrow's language, whatever that might be. Now, that's important. That's an important part of regeneration. And that's what a bulk of the funds that we're seeking God to raise from us is going to do. That, that's really important and it's necessary, but it's not the most important. There are other things that we're seeking to re- for God to regenerate and to make new in us. Uh, the regeneration. You know, you could play with it. Put a little colon right after the re. You know, it's concerning the generations. It's, it's about the generation to come. We, we want to regenerate the, the work of the church by being sure that this, the building and the ministry is set up for the generations to come. Concerning the next generation. Um, Psalm 78 is our theme passage for regeneration. Uh, You can turn there. It's on 468 in your pew Bible or you can follow along on the screen. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their children. We will tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and His might and the wonders that He has done. He established a decree in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which He commanded our ancestors to teach to their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and rise up and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments, and that they should not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. One is we we want, through this campaign to focus anew and focus ourselves on handing on a living faith to the next generation. Handing on a living, relevant faith to the next generation. 
Um, verses 4 and 5. You know, the, the call of the psalmist there is to continue to pass on to the coming generations the glorious deeds of the Lord and His might, the wonders that He has done. You know, teach them to our next generation, he says. You know, there's there's a, a lot of us that aren't going to be around here in 20 years. You know, a whole, whole lot of us, 20, 30 years, not going to be around. But this is about how do we platform that next generation so they can they can, are prepared for ministry. You know, some of the things, you know, HVA heating and air conditioning and roofs and parking lots, you know, and elevators, you know, those just aren't really top of the list sexy stuff, right? Until you're here on an August morning and you don't have any air conditioning. Yeah, or a frigid February morning and the heater's not working, then it gets high list right there. Certainly not welcoming to folks on the outside and not very conducive for anybody to talk about discipleship. But that's what we want to set it up. We want to to platform and be ready, take care of some of those things so that the next generation can focus on evangelism and discipleship. And, And not only that, we want it to be better. Better than we have it even now. We, we, and that, that's why I left the, the last two passages, or the last passage in there, verse 8. I almost cut it off at 7. But verse 8 says, you know, want them to, you to pass it on so that they won't be like their ancestors who are stubborn and rebellious generation. Well, I think in our history, that, yeah, we had our own stubborn and rebelliousness um, in our own ways. But as I look at our history, it's... It's not one characterized by stubborn rebellion. It's one characterized by evangelism and discipleship. But, but we want for it to not only continue to be characterized by that, but to multiply, to be even better. We, we want it to be an even more relevant and meaningful witness and message to the power of God and the power of the cross and the power of the blood of Jesus in our lives and in our lives together. And what I fully believe and what we have been promoting and walking down a path of saying, we believe that God wants the church to look like heaven and to act like heaven. That, that we know in heaven every nation, tribe, and tongue will be gathered at the throne. And we are saying that the power of the cross is so great that it not only destroys the wall between me and God and you and God, it destroys the wall between me and you and you and the one next to you. The power of the blood of Jesus is that strong. And the church of Jesus Christ has not lived into that very well. And we're sensing that God is calling us to live into that witness. That a witness is not just what is nice and what looks good and what we can sing about, but what we can live with one another, even in the midst of our differences that the world has placed upon us. It is the plan of God. It's what heaven will be, We pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we deny the power of the cross when we don't live into that, even though it's hard work. Even though we want to be better than we've ever been 
And we want to demonstrate in our lives the power of the cross over the demonic work of division that he brings because of race, economics, politics, intellectual abilities, country of origin, whatever it might be that the world might bring division. We say the power of the blood of Jesus unites us in him, builds communities rather than building walls. And so that's what we're setting up. That's what we want to be regenerated. And and not only is it the plan of God, wouldn't you say the city, the nation, and the world is crying out for a witness that can show unity in something besides the division that we see on the front pages every day? I mean, it... We, we are set and prime, right? I mean, talk about a relevant message. Talk about a, a question that the world is asking. The world is begging for an answer. Can anybody show us a power greater than our divisions? Well, that's the church of Jesus Christ and the power of the cross can do that. That's what needs to be regenerated in us, that the power of the cross destroys all those walls. And it is a need in our city, in our country, in our world. And it's the world that our children are living in and are going to live in. It, it's the, it, it is our world. It is our context. It's our context right here. It's a context in our city. You know, Princeton School District and Finneytown School District, both of them, districts that some of you go to school in or live in, have no ethnic majority in their school system. There's no group that's over 50%. It's their reality right now. Not just tomorrow. But in another generation, maybe two, that'll be the reality of the United States. That every pollster you look at, that they say as you look at the numbers, in another generation or two, by 2050, around there, the entire country will have no majority group. It is the world in which the next generation will live. So it's a world, therefore, it's a church, therefore, that needs to be preparing our children to be disciples, to be witnesses, to be disciple-making disciples in that world. All the more why the church needs to intentionally pursue being multicultural and multi-ethnic because it is the world that the next generation will live in. So they need to be prepared and ready to follow Jesus in that world, to be able to engage the world in Jesus, in Jesus' name. And the way to do that is to be a church that looks like heaven, that acts like heaven. That some of what we're pursuing. That's some of what we're giving to. That's what we're practicing generosity together to accomplish. A cutting-edge ministry. We don't want to pass... We, we want to pass the faith on to a church that's even better than our history. It's going to be answering questions that the world really is asking and showing just how relevant and real the power of the cross is. We also want to regenerate us through this um, capital campaign. 
that as we unite around God's mission, as we, we unite around God's mission of making disciples, you know, Matthew 28, uh, Jesus' last words, where he says, you, you're to go and make disciples of all nations. You're, the, the word nation there is actually ethnos, of every ethnic group. We're to go make disciples of every ethnic group, of everybody that is around. That's what we want. And as we unite around that mission, that that's what we're about, we're going to show the world that, that, that we're Jesus' disciples by His love for one another. And so as we unite around this Regeneration Capital campaign, as we together in a, in a corporate way practice generosity... Generosity is nothing more than cheerful sacrifice through giving to God. Practice generosity together. Cheerful sacrifice through giving to God. That's what we're going to practice together. You know what? what when, when that happens, when we practice a spiritual discipline together as one, then that deepens our faith, right? That deepens our fellowship. That tightens our bonds with one another. We, we lock arms and pull them even tighter. When we practice a a challenging spiritual discipline together like generosity. It's spiritually enriching then when we see what God does through that practice. Right? We, we said, we're, we're setting a goal that God's going to raise $2.2 million or more. And He's going to do that through us in order to fulfill God's plan to set that next generation up, to upgrade and update the, the building, to regenerate the building, to, 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 to platform the next generation, and to, to regenerate us. And, and when that happens... You know, when we start sharing stories of, of generosity with one another, then that just encourages us. And, and in the end, when we see what God does, that, that amazes us what God is doing in and through us. Now, there are diverse gifts of all kinds, but equal generosity, equal, equal acts of cheerful sacrifice for the glory of God. I mean, some... Some will, will, will give from their, their wealth and income, you know, sacrificially. They had other plans for that. They'll, they'll give of that to, the God, of, to, to God for the work of the church here. And I've already heard some stories of just different things that have happened, how tax laws have changed just recently for folks to be able to, to meet the, the goal that God has provided the avenues to give. Or, or they received a gift or an inheritance from someplace that was just almost exactly what their goal was. Already heard stories that God is providing in that way. Others, wealth and income is low, but their sacrifice, their generosity is just the same. You know, one will, will give up riding the bus to work one day a week. And we'll walk to work. And the extra time and energy that that takes. But that, that, that act of generosity will take the bus fare and put it in savings in order to give. Equal, equal sacrifice and generosity. But diverse gifts all around. Every, every dollar and every hour given are part, are necessary, are significant 
in this spiritual discipline that we engage in of generosity. Some, some will give up time and energy and organize different events even that raise money and then take that money to put in, into the regeneration stewardship campaign. Different gifts, but equal generosity. Now, for Kathy and I, it's an honor. It's a real honor to participate in this time of generosity, of cheerful sacrifice with you. Yeah, many of you know, you know our, our story. We have three children. We're, we're in the midst of paying for college for those three children. Just became empty nesters this year. You know, so we figured out all right, we've mostly paid for nine years of college and we have four more years to pay for. Not the most strategic time to be thinking about giving. But it's the perfect time to think about generosity. It's the perfect time to think about cheerful sacrifice by God's grace and by God's provision, by God's gift. So, so for us, what uh, we looked at, we said, all right, let's set our goal. What, what do we think God's calling us to give? And what we did was we said, you know, our goal is $2.2 million. Our The annual budget of the, the church is $1.2 million. That's roughly double, you know, just for simplicity's sake. So it's a little less than double. So it's, all right, well, what's our tithe that we give every year? Let's take a little less than double of that and put it on top of our tithe, and we're going to spread that over the course of those three years. Well, that's a great formula, you know, and Kathy was real impressed with that formula, but uh, that's not the hard part. And well, we, we had plans, you know, as we thought about empty nesters and all that that, that happens there. You know, we've got some kitchens and bathrooms that have, well, they've been destroyed by three children, you know, <laughs> that have used them, and they, they need updating and upgrading and repairing in some significant ways. And we said, well, you know, as we looked at that, we, you know, God has provided up to this point. That can wait. That can wait three, four years, and let's upgrade, update the, the place that, that we call home for God's family. And we'll take those funds that um, we were hoping to save for that and we'll put it towards this and then the next can wait. And you know what? There, one, there's no pride in that telling you that story because that's God's work. It's God's gift. And on top of that, there's no fear in telling you that. Either that's God's gift. There's actually, there's actually an excitement oh, with a twist of anxiety every once in a while. But there's actually anxiety when we sit and think about the privilege of joining with you in cheerful sacrifice for the work of God to be about a church that is ready to continue to to walk in the way God is leading it so that we might have ministry and the power of Jesus that the world needs. That is a privilege to join with you. To be regenerated with you in our very soul as we see what God does. But I feel like a Norelco commercial. But yet there's more. 
even more here. Because not only regenerating in that way, but we're going to be regenerating the church here and around the world. Because 10% of what is raised is going to go to church planting, planting new churches in the United States and around the world. That, that from this, it, it's going to be a, a regeneration of regenerating, <laughs> regenerators. You, know, you, you plant two churches, well then they're, they're going to be multiplying in their places. They're going to be regenerating there. They're going to be doing discipleship and evangelism there. And then in time, they'll be planting new churches themselves. This is planting a seed for ministry that will continue around the world until Jesus comes back and it's needed no more. So 5% of what we get, and this is a significant gift. I've never been a part of a capital campaign nor heard one that gives 10% to something like that. Sometimes we'll give a couple thousand dollars, you know, just to satisfy those mission nuts, you know. (laughs) You you do that, or you you put an extra line on there. Well, people that have to give to that, they can give to that, you know. But now we're saying, no, 10%. 10% that comes in is going to be given to one through ECO, through the Covenant Order of Evangelical Presbyterians, through our denomination to plant a church in the United States, and an, another 5% through the global missions team and the pastoral leadership will say maybe we'll connect with mission workers in Iraq who are seeking to plant churches among the Kurds where there is no church in that people group. Oh. You know, that, that, that's pretty significant right there. Maybe, or maybe, you know, we've got mission workers in Germany, right? And, and they're, they're working with this huge Arab refugee population, and they're developing a, a, a church. They're planting a church there. A church is being planted there. They got just sort of blown in there. You know, there's no strategy with this. It's just like, here come these thousands of people who need Jesus and are really in need of, of, of connection with God. And, and we're, we're seeing all kinds of folks, Muslim background, who are saying, I don't have no part of that. You know, talk to me about Jesus. Yeah, so maybe it works to plant. We'll see how, what God has in store, but that's regeneration through, through God's global rescue mission that we get to be a part of. That's what we're about. That's what this campaign is about. It's about regenerating a building for mission. It's about regenerating a mission so that we are platforming the next generation. It is about regenerating us so that we are uniting in Jesus through the spiritual discipline of generosity together. And it is about regenerating the church around the country and the world in the, the simple ways that we get to participate in that. So in order to do that, it means all hands on deck. It means all hands in. Now that we all are a part of what God is doing. And God has called, as I said earlier, all of us to participate in equal generosity, but diverse gifts all over the place. So as a, a way to uh, live into that, everybody should have a hand. You get out your hand. Don't don't pull the little tab on the back of it yet. Those of you that have, you know why not to do that because then it sticks. 
But let me tell you what, what, what I'm asking you to do. You know, hands have been our symbol, or the symbol for regeneration, you know, and we're handing on a living faith um, to the next generation, just as we're handing on a faith to those outside the church, and we're, we're all hands in on this regeneration campaign. It's going to take all of us. And today, right now, what these hands are, these... Everybody, oh, yeah, thank you. If you don't have one, be sure to raise your hand and you've got some folks around. Yeah, your other hand. Yeah. If you don't have one, raise your fleshly hand and you'll get one. And you'll, you'll see there's uh, Mark's there. Thank you. And Mark, I think over here and back there. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yes, please. Um, if you need one, go ahead and let's... Let's get that. And what I'm going to, what I want, the hand represents your prayer, your individual prayer at this time. Um, and it's simply the prayer, God, what do you want me to do? Yeah, what, what, what do you want me to do? Right? That, that, that's what you're, you're doing. That's what this symbolizes. It's you going before God and saying, you know, God, I need you to Help me or show me or speak to me or guide me or motivate me, teach me, lead me, use me, bless me, change me. Put that, uh, uh, that next slide up, please, Ian. Thank you. You know, what, what, what you have, you have pens, you have Sharpie markers somewhere around you or pens in front of you. What I want you to write on that heart that's in the hand, I want you to write one word. Okay, maybe two. But one word that symbol. What's your? What do you? What do you want God to do? For what does God need to do for you, to to help you, to show you, to teach you, to motivate you, to guide you? And so your this prayer is: God, teach me, motivate me, guide me, bless me, use me, help me, change me, so that I can participate in this however you want me to. So it's your one-word prayer to God for you, and I want you to write it on there. And then um, what we're, we're going to do is our, our prayer time is then I'm going to ask the ushers to go ahead and pull these uh, maps um, uh, to, of the world um, to where they're in front of the congregation. And what I'm going to ask you to do as you come forward to put your um, prayer up there is you then can take off, once you get up here, you can take off the little um, uh, um, plastic piece that then you should have left on your hand a little um, uh, glue dot. And then you put your hand on the world um, where, uh, um, how, that represents your prayer for God to participate in that and um, what uh, if you're if you're visiting with us here today you're like whoa hey I came on the wrong Sunday on that one yeah well maybe you're just here once you know and you're just you know, visiting and you're here uh, well, I'm glad you're here and uh, what I ask you to do is participate in this but maybe you just say bless them and ask you you're here for a reason you're here for a reason, if nothing more, to pray for us on this significant season in our life. But I do ask you to 
um, participate in that. Now, I'm going to ask, there, there's some, we have some special guests with us in the back, and they're going to lead us. They're going to show us how we need to do this. So if uh, you guys in the back um, want to go ahead and come forward, Kathy, you want to release the, them, and they can, they can come to either, either one of the uh, um, maps and put your hand, go ahead and take your, take your little piece of paper off there and you put it on the, the, you show everybody else how you're supposed to do this. Put your map, and some of you can go to this one over here if you want. Yeah, it's going to be over there. This is the, the crew from uh, Children in the Worship that are showing us how to do that. Yeah. And now I invite you during this time of prayer to, uh, as this demonstrates how through this we're looking for regeneration, not just here but around the world and from the youngest uh, to the oldest um, to lead us. So invite you during this time of prayer to come forward and to uh, put your hand that represents your prayer on the world unto God. And invite us to, to do this in a spirit of prayer, that this would be a, a, a prayer really of, of walking and acting um, together. So let's, uh, let's pray as we bring these hands forward.